Mud Stories, Episode 17. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I think sometimes we can have grace and patience with other people. But I talk to women a lot, myself included, at times where we can't even give grace to ourselves and what makes us so different from anybody else. We're disabled by the flesh. We have all the same needs. We've got to be patient and have grace with us and grieve at our own pace too. We have to stop striving for perfection and cut ourselves some slack. You know, life most certainly doesn't always go as planned, but it goes as it should when we allow God to lead and trust what He says to be true. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. Today I'm continuing my conversation with my friend Natalie Snap a follower of Jesus, wife to Jason, and mom to one spunky girl and two spirited boys. Natalie lives in the Midwest with her energetic crew and is passionate to share about the grace, mercy, and truth of God's love for us all, regardless of our track record. In this episode, we continue discussing Natalie's story, and I just want to tell you, if you were not able to hear The first part of Natalie's story in the previous episode, I highly recommend that you go back and take a listen to all that she shares. She shares so transparently and candidly about, you know, things like having a father who was an alcoholic, finding herself as a child of a divorced family, um, the tumultuous times that she went through just not really knowing God through her young adult and college years her first marriage and divorce, the death of her father, just so much that she shared. And I think you'd really be blessed to hear her heart. And today she continues to share the second part. But if you missed the first part, you can find it at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 16. Or you can always go to MudStories.com if that's easier for you to remember. It's always there as well. And you can play it straight from a podcast player right there on the page. Or you can download it. You can um, find it on iTunes if you search under Mud Stories. There's all kinds of ways you can find it. But I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that first episode if you didn't hear it. So today, in the continuation of her story, Natalie and I talk very openly about some of the struggles that happen when we find ourselves broken by so many circumstances that are painful. We talk about how our healing, the healing of our hearts that God does, often happens layer by layer, not all at one time, and that can sometimes be really painful. We also struggle and wrestle through the issues of hearing God's voice and knowing His direction in our lives. Because sometimes that can be really confusing and we can wonder, you know, is this something that God is asking or directing me to do? Or is this just me? And just really wrestling through that um, is something that we talk about. 
Natalie also discusses some of the issues of dating after you've been divorced. And then after being remarried, some of those issues of being a young mother and just the chaos and mess that it is when we have several kids under the age of five, it can get really crazy. And then we go on to discuss the journey of healing and how it really is important for us to learn how to accept God's forgiveness because He offers it to us without question, and he just is longing for us to look to him and to really accept the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace that is already ours, no matter what. And then also we touch on, in light of that, even when we can really accept the forgiveness of God, how sometimes it's really a challenge to forgive our own hearts and how to really deal with the guilt and the shame of a lot of the choices and a lot of the circumstances that have happened as we've faced mud in our lives. And so it's just my prayer that as you listen to the final part of Natalie's story today, that you, wherever you are, in whatever mud you're in, that you would know, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what you've chosen, that God's love is ready and waiting to meet you in the deepest, darkest, muckiest part of your mud, whatever it is you're facing today. And so I pray you'll be encouraged today as Natalie shares. Enjoy. So... I said goodbye to my father, and then here I was, just left wondering what on earth I'm going to do with my life. I'm 27. I'm in the process of divorcing my husband, who is completely messed up and is going through all kinds of stuff and has left me with an exorbitant amount of debt, and I see no way out of this, and I just lost my father. And I had also accepted Jesus, yes, but I didn't know what that meant at that point. And I just knew that I needed to go one day at a time and just trust that God had some kind of plan for me. I just didn't know what that plan was. And so I just continued to do the next thing. And that was to continue meeting with Marcy from Priority Associates, to continue reading my Bible, to continue running, even though I had already finished the mini marathon. But uh, I just went through a period of healing. And, you know, God really, really started to work on some of the things I had struggled with my entire life, as he so does. And what I love about God, so many things I love about God, but he helps us go through the things that hold us in bondage layer by layer. He doesn't Mm -hmm. strip the Band-Aid off all at once because he knows we can't handle that. And so the first thing he really started to work with me about were those daddy issues that I had, that feeling that I was incomplete without a boyfriend. Because as soon as I had separated from my ex-husband at that point, Um, I didn't give myself a really long period before I started dating again because Mm. I went back into that same pattern of behavior and I started to date men that were probably going to lead me down the same path again. I had always been attracted to that bad boy type of thing Mm. and it was just obviously didn't work out so well the first time. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but God really started to mold me in that area and he just asked me to be by myself for a while. How did that epiphany happen for you? Because I think this is an issue for a lot of people. I think not Mm -hmm. only women women, but maybe even men who need a woman to just feel okay about themselves. You know, it's the next conquest, the next conquest. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, what was there a pivotal thing that happened? A conversation with someone, a time alone in prayer? Like how, how did it occur to you? You know, you say God molded you and was patient, but like, how did that really in reality look? 
Well, really all of the above. I had lots of people praying for me and I also did spend a lot of time in prayer, just asking God to search my heart and tell me what it is that I needed to work through. And then one day a guy that I was dating just really came unglued about something that was very insignificant and really kind of scared me to be completely mm-hmm. honest with you. He was a former football player and um, big guy, um, had a very short temper and he was talking marriage. And at that point, I probably would have gone along with it because I wasn't really, even though I was a believer and I had accepted Jesus, my roots were still pretty shallow. I wasn't very anchored. And I I just, again, my old ways, I wanted to have that security. I would -hmm. would have married him probably. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, when he had this reaction and it was just not a, a very, it wasn't a wonderful moment, God just really revealed to me, is this what you want? because I have more for you if you'll just be patient and listen to me. So really it was a thought in your mind that the Holy Spirit brought to your mind of, is this really what you want? Kind of like how our gut really speaks to us. Because I think sometimes it's confusing when people say, well, God told me or God did this. And it's like, practically, I, I sometimes struggle with, well, how do we know that? Like, I don't really hear God talking to me, but people go around saying those kind of things. And I wonder what's wrong with me that I'm not like hearing audible voice of God. So I think it's important to share with everybody how that practically looks, because sometimes it is just a thought in our mind that can be placed there by the Holy Spirit. But really at the end of the day, it's our gut. It's a feeling. It's a, you know, and God's word confirms those feelings and those, you know, to do things that his word says. But I just love that you are bringing that out because I think it can be confusing when we talk churchy like that for people to understand, well, what, how did, how do I hear God? If she like heard him, maybe there's something wrong with me and maybe God's not for me, you know? It's very confusing. Yes. I'm so glad that you bring that up because I, I'm passionate about that too, because, you know, even as a, a believer now for 14 years, I think we all struggle with discernment, don't you? I oh, mean, I absolutely. Think it's, it's hard to know exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. But sometimes I have moments where it's like beyond a shadow of a doubt, this right. is it. Right. And it was one of those moments. I was on a run and I was processing this argument that I had had with this guy that I was dating and just the dysfunction behind it. And I remember hearing, is this really what you want? Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced it was the Holy Spirit questioning me. Um, at that time. Well, and even then it's a challenge because even though you heard it, you had to choose, hmm, what am I going to do about it? Because we could push it down and go, oh no, it's no big deal. I'm going to stay in my dysfunctional ways, you know? Yes. So, But what I said at that time was, okay, God, if this is from you, I I think it is, but if this really is from you, will you please give me the courage Mm -hmm. to break free and be alone for a while? Mm -hmm. And he did. So I prayed over that. And after a couple of days, I ended that relationship and I stayed by myself for a while. Which that was a big thing for you. It I was can only a imagine. really, really big thing. Because that me. would have been the first time in your whole life since you were 12, you were without a guy. That's right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was very scary. And though I will say it was a beautiful, beautiful time because I spent time with girlfriends. I had a very strong support network during that time. I ran. I, um, I was able to just be mm-hmm. and come to a point to know that, okay, if I am going to be single for the rest of my life, I'm going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And once I had hit that point, um, I, w- I was okay, obviously. And about uh, probably eight months into this journey, I was connected with my current husband. And Okay, so before we go on. 
Yes. I'm just going to say, I think it's a beautiful thing, the process that you went through, the willingness, transparency, you know, the raw gut checking reality of looking at your own self and saying, okay, I'm going to lay down this idol that men have been in my life Mm -hmm. and I'm going to choose to pursue and press in to who God is and a relationship that I can actually, a real relationship I can have with him. And in essence, I, what I see from hearing your story is that you chose God as your guy. You, I did, you know, you probably spent time reading his word. You spent time meditating as you're driving around in the car, chatting with him or whatever. And so I think it's just, it can be as real as a real guy. Absolutely. It, it, it definitely can. And, um, it was the first time that I really saw with my own eyes that God can be your husband. Right. Well, because you had come, come to the very bottom. I think I think there are things in our lives that get us distracted from getting real and intimate with God because yes. either we're busy or we have things that are our hobbies or our interests. And I hate to say it, but as I listen to mud stories, as I interview people and just in life, listening to people who I know, you know, it's really in those bottom mud pit moments where we have nothing but God. That's right. Where he, he, we realize we just look up and he's been there all along. And this, this new thing in him that we discover of him being close, like a friend or being your guy is only possible for us to see because everything else has been stripped away. That's right. And it, and what grows out of it really becomes such a beautiful foundation for the rest of your life as you're walking forward when all those interests and hobbies and even a guy comes back in. Yeah. You, you still have this foundation that you built with Jesus that right. uh, you maybe, I mean, it's not that, not that it's not possible to have in the midst of all that busyness and distraction, but it certainly is often a focused moment that a tremendous amount of growth mm-hmm. occurs in. It, it did. It really did. And I learned to trust him during that time. I can't say though, that at that point in my life, I was a mature believer. I don't want to represent this as I, I accepted Jesus and suddenly became very mature in my faith. It took me several years to really develop a a mature faith. And, you know, there are some days even now that I even wonder if I do have a mature faith. I think it's a a day by day, but yeah, yeah, it's, that's normal. It does take years to cultivate and I don't think we're ever going to arrive, but that's the gracious thing about God. He's with us in the process. Yes. But as I had said earlier, I, I didn't really ever realize that you could have a relationship with God. So I loved that I was able to have him be my man. Okay. So then you meet this other man. So then I meet this really awesome guy. And before we met in person, we talked on the phone for three hours and I just thought, gosh, he is really, I mean, he makes me laugh. Okay. But how does this happen? You just call some random guy in the phone (laughs) book. I mean, (laughs) you had a conversation. Like, how did that happen? Okay. Well, I'll be, I'll shoot straight with you and tell you the real story. Okay. Well, that's what I need to hear. All right. So one day (laughs) at this point, I was working for the school district where I worked and, um, I had been dating this guy that, you know, I had dated this guy who wasn't really the best guy. And, um, I, yes, I had the time alone, but so a coworker of mine was like, Hey, you need to do match.com because I'm doing match.com and I think you need to do match.com. And I was always like, (laughs) you know, back then it was really weird to meet somebody on the internet. Like if you said you met someone on the internet, 
it was just kind of a strange thing back then. It's not at all right. anymore. Because this but was like then, 90s, right? This was, oh goodness, I can't even remember at this point. I think it was 19, or no, it was 2002. So internet things were still new. Everything was still new. Yeah. yeah. Now it's not a big deal, but right. back then it was still a little shady if you met somebody online. So, so our Miss Natalie, the sorority sister, is cutting edge, no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Um, Went to lunch one day and I got back and this coworker had written on my post note, here's your next husband. And so I pulled up, I, I looked on my computer and it was the profile of this really cute guy who was exactly my same age, who was a believer in Jesus and had been divorced. I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances? So I looked at him and was like, gosh, he really is kind of cute. So I thought, well, what do I need to do here? So I signed up for Match.com. I paid the $20 that it took to start to activate my account just so I could email this guy. Right, right. All right. So I did. I emailed this guy and we start chatting. And unbeknownst to me, he had only had his profile up for about three days because his roommate at the time was tired of, of his pattern of behavior. <laughs> he had been dating some women who he probably wouldn't want to take home to mom is what oh. he said. And so his roommate said, okay, it's time for you to stop this. And so get on Match.com. I've been on Match.com. I'm having some good results. He was pressured too. <laughs> and so we laugh about that because we, we lived in the same city, but we never would have met. We lived on completely opposite ends of town. We did completely different, different things, things in our free time. I mean, we're very, very opposite people, quite truthfully. God definitely has a sense of humor. But, oh, um, so so, but you know, it worked. Like the first night we talked on the phone, there was something between us. You could tell. We, we could feel it. together. You mm -hmm. could feel it through the phone lines. Mm -hmm. And the next night we went to dinner for the first time. And, you know, this was such a not smart move. We still laugh about this to this day. <laughs> I had him come pick me up at, our, at my house. I mean, oh, really, goodness. don't ever do that. Never, <laughs> ever, ever do that to anyone who's listening or thinking about that. That was just oh. dumb. But I opened the front door and there he stood and I thought, I'm going to marry that man. No way. And the funny thing is, is that it was Months later that I found out that he said the same thing, that after our first date, he called his parents and said, hey, I found my next wife, which sounds very dramatic and, yeah. and dynasty type of thing. Yeah. You have to remember that both of us had been married before. I love it. So, yeah. Well, and um, sometimes at that point in life, you know, that first dinner, there is no like small talk. You just get cut to the chase. So you don't have time you know, to waste. We yeah. really did. And it, we did. And we had a great time. I will say that we were both very immature still. I mean, we were uh, at this point, I was 28. Um, and he was too. So we still had a ways to go maturity wise. We, we, neither of us had been in successful, good, healthy marriages. So we really didn't know what that was like. Neither mm -hmm. of us had models of that growing up. So we did get married after we had dated for two years and we are both very passionate people. I love my husband. There's no <laughs> one else I'd rather be with, but man, we have had some ups and downs in our marriage yeah. and, um, we, as have we all both, have, yep. Uh, yes. As, and we've both grown together so so much. But um, we had our first child uh, six months after we got married. Yes, do not do the math there. Because okay. as I said, I was we were not walking in obedience. We did everything backwards. We dated for two years. We lived together for about six months. Uh, we had premarital sex, obviously. They're all things that we would do differently, knowing what we know now. And yet, God still loves you. He still redeems it, and he still picks up those pieces. That's right. Even though we were believers, both of us had never really thought much about the walking in obedience thing. And I know that sounds really weird, but the church that I went to at the time, 
it is a wonderful church. It's a very good church for those who are just starting a relationship with God. It's a very mm-hmm. grace-filled church. But I, what I've come to know now is that we want to seek churches that are have a good balance of between grace and truth. And I'm in no way blaming the church mm-hmm. uh, for yeah. my decisions. I take full responsibility for that. But it took me a while to really figure out that, oh, we did this backwards, you know? Yeah. Well, um, when you're used to a certain way of living, I mean, throughout your young adulthood and college life, this was not an abnormality to, you know, you fall in love with a guy, you live together, you right, sleep right. together, you know, it's that's, right. that's what you do with somebody you love. And so as adults... When we come to Christ, it is a learning curve because you didn't get all the teaching growing up. You haven't read through your Bible yet. You know, you you're just at the mercy of getting the teaching that you need to instruct you and the Holy Spirit convicts. But I think you would probably say and agree with me that God, while God loves us, even though we're doing what is opposite of what he would want for us. It's not that he's going to leave us. He just wants to save us from pain, you know, and I'm sure you and Jason can acknowledge that you've had some pain points in your marriage because of that foundational time. We most certainly have. Yes. You know, and and so it's not that God leaves us when we sin. It's that we just have less pain and more joy when we don't sin. Yes, that's you know? very true. And there always are consequences to our choices. Right. And it does, it's not a punishment. Um, right. God does not dole out punishment, but there are consequences to our choices. And one for me, you know, going back to what I shared um, in the last half about my abortion, like I know I'm forgiven, I know I'm set free, but there will always be an empty chair at my dinner table. And I know that. Yeah. An and empty this, spot in your heart. Yeah. There's always an empty spot in my heart until I'm reunited with that baby in heaven. And I bet, do you sometimes wonder, mm, they would be this old, they would be that yeah, old? Well, yeah, absolutely. Every yeah. October when that baby was supposed to have been born, I mean, um, mm. he or she would be uh, 14 now. Wow. Is that right? I think 14 or 15. I mean, so, and you know, I, I know women who are my age who have children that old. Mm-hmm. And so I look at them and admire them so mm-hmm. much because they did something that I couldn't do. So it's not that God punishes us. This is what our point was. It's not yes. that God leaves us right. even when we make choices that are not what he would have for us. And so in dating Jason and getting married, you know, yep. there were some bumpy places of, you know, your ignorance of how maybe Christian living should go. But in right. spite of it, you guys got married. We did. Yep. We had some rough times after that because, um, again, we did get engaged uh, first. We didn't know we were pregnant when we got engaged. We planned the wedding for July. And it was during that engagement period, we found out two weeks before the wedding that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so, no, it wasn't, didn't go as planned, but we were already getting married and, you know, right. we were 30 at that point. And so... We had the baby and it rocked our world to be completely straight up truthful on it. As babies do. Babies do, but we didn't have that foundation. And um, so Sarah was colic and screamed nonstop. Mm. No one was sleeping. It was just a very, very dark period of our lives. Did you stop Um, teaching? At the time, I was working as a reading consultant. So I I traveled the state and worked with um, schools on an individual basis. And so I was able to take an extended maternity leave. And so I took the first six months of Sarah's life off and went back to work in the following August. Um, This was in February, though. And um, it was just a rough, rough period um, because we were supposed to be building our married life together, just the two of us. But because of our 
lack of good decision making, quite yeah. truthfully. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying, Sarah, I'm so, so thankful for Sarah. I would never suggest that, you know, I regret having Sarah because she is a huge light of my life. But because we were not obedient, mm-hmm. then the consequence was that we had a baby during mm-hmm. the time when we were supposed to be building our, our marriage. And so yeah. I really would say that we spent, you know, we've been married 10 years now and we spent probably the first five years, maybe even six on shaky ground yeah, uh, because neither of us had a model of what a healthy marriage looks like. So not only yeah. are you trying to build and grow a healthy marriage, but you're trying to parent for the first time without any skills of observing right. really amazing parenting. I mean, your mom was so great and your stepdad mm-hmm. with you, but still mm-hmm. it wasn't the, you, you know, what you were trying to build. And so you, it's kind of like you were on this humongous learning curve and that's crisis right there. Very not, much so. Not to mention, yes. was um, was Jason still in school or, or no. he was... Luckily, he was he was out of school. At oh, this that's point. good. Um, but he had been in a corporate dentistry um, setting where he worked for a company and they placed him places. And so he did also go through during that time. Um, he quit that job and entered a private practice where he now is. You know, he mm-hmm. has his own business now as a dentist. But um, that was a really so really he was working thing. a lot. Yeah, he was working nonstop. I was mm-hmm. left home. I had Sarah, and um, two years later, I gave birth to Samuel. Uh, Samuel was born 10 days after we moved to a brand spanking new community. Mm. Uh, and so I knew nobody when I had my second child. Jason was working nonstop and uh, Samuel had acid reflux. So he also screamed nonstop. And so that was just a very, very trying time in my life. It was another time yeah. besides my divorce and all those other things, my father's death, that I really just wasn't sure that. I could hang on (laughs) to be completely honest. And the only thing that sustained me during that time was God and my faith and his promises of Romans 8, 28 says um, that he works for the good of all things for those who love him. Mm -hmm. And just remember that he has a plan for me and it's good. And I have to get through this part. One hour at a time, one day at a time, one minute at a time at that stage, which is the plight of new moms. I mean, I know the year I had three kids under the age of four. Wow. That was Uh, a hard year. Well, Uh, and so I did. Because what ended up happening? Oh, is, you too. That's right. Oh, yeah. You had your so third had Samuel, and then six months later, I thought I had the flu. Well, it wasn't the flu. It was my <laughs> sweet Spencer, and so I suddenly had a child at th- who was three and a half, fifteen months, and a new oh, I and so... a husband who worked nonstop in a community mm-hmm. where I didn't know a lot of people, and I'm still pretty shaky and new in my beliefs. Um, and you are and living the knowing. dream of your life. Yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> yes. I remember sitting in my kitchen going, this is what I've always wanted. What was I thinking? Oh, goodness, Natalie. So yes. many of us have been there. I'm not meaning to laugh at you. I'm just, no, I'm rejoicing I with you. you. Yeah. I hear you. No, I, yeah. I get it. And but so- it's in those times. God was with you, right? I mean, if yes. you hadn't been so desperate, maybe you would have been off you know, shopping or something. You wouldn't have needed yes. God, you know? Oh, honey, I couldn't even make it to the mall at that point. <laughs> I didn't even take a shower. I'm not even sure I, I, I had regular clothes during that time. I know. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was such a beautiful thing because God led us to a really great church um, that we attended for a while and we don't attend anymore, but it was a good teaching church. And so for the first time, I started going to um, really good Bible studies, doing some of the Beth Moore things. He's just a great teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and really learning 
learning about scripture, really understanding what it means and developing just a deeper level of faith. And uh, I connected with a group there. Uh, I joined MOPS, mm-hmm. Mothers of Preschoolers, Love which is, them. I think, the best organization the ever. Best. Such a wonderful ministry. And so I spent about two years going to MOPS, and then uh, I was asked to be a part of the leadership team and eventually ended up coordinating the MOPS group there. And all along throughout my life, I've always wanted to write. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I didn't mention earlier. Uh, Even when I was a little girl, I had journals that I would write in nonstop. And uh, I won a couple of awards for writing in high school. And it was just always a passion of mine. It's just where I could kind of bury myself. Is this um, the time in your life when you started writing? It More? was when I started to write. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spencer was a year old and I felt like I was losing myself. And I think so many of us moms mm-hmm. can identify with that, especially moms who've left the workforce, yeah. like how I was. I, yep. I didn't have an identity other than the fact that, you know, I'm getting up at 4 a.m. every morning and I have sweet potatoes in my hair and um, people are yelling at me all day long. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's just, yeah. it, I didn't know where I was. I needed to have something for me. And so one day I just decided to start a blog and its original intent was to uh, just remind myself that I have something to say. Yeah. And I never ever intended to have a readership or anything. I, I just meant it to be like kind of a, a journal and my mom would read it now and then. And, you know, a couple of neighbors would yeah. take a look at it, but it wasn't anything I, I didn't even really understand the world of blogging to be completely honest. And mm-hmm. so it, it was just a time when that really, um, allowed me, I write to understand what I think about things and the Holy spirit. I always pray before I start writing that the Holy spirit will guide my words and show me where he wants me to go. And it's really been neat to see where I end up because a lot of times I'll start writing something and I end up someplace I had no idea I was even going. And that is the work of the Holy spirit. And so it just kind of snowballed and it developed into this, this blog that, I mean, I have a readership and, and just a way to not only encourage myself, but to encourage other women. I'm so, so, so passionate about being real and authentic. Mm, Me Um, too. Me too. I know you are. That's why I love you. Oh, and I love you. So tell, <laughs> tell me, in this journey, when you began writing and you began really processing, because a lot of times when we write, whether it's in our journal, just in our own quiet space that nobody ever sees, or whether it's online on a blog or a website or even a book, we'd start to reveal and learn things about our own selves that maybe we hadn't really realized. It's a way of processing. Yeah. And right. so in your processing and in your years that you've been writing, what are some pieces of advice you might give that you've discovered along the way that have helped you that you could offer to anyone who's listening today that maybe resonates with a piece of your story, whether it's, you know, not having a dad, whether it's being a, uh, you know, single mom, whether it's having a parent who has an addiction, whether it's helping their parent through dying, whether it's um, dealing with boyfriend and guy issues or finding God or not knowing if he's really out there or failure or any of those things that your story (laughs) Um, is just... Can I speak into all of the above? Yeah. Well, it's just so rich to show how God is so good even when we just totally either are dealt a bad deal of cards or we throw in our own bad decisions no matter what that God still is with us and he's good and he promises to bring something beautiful out of it and so as you were began writing what are some of those things that you came to that you could offer to somebody listening today if they're going through any of those things right well uh, there are a couple of things I learned that I'll share in just a second but you know I would I would point 
basically anyone to Isaiah 61, the whole chapter, mm. anyone who's suffering. Um, I read that every single day when I was going through my divorce and during those dark uh, days of motherhood, those lonely times when I just thought, I, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Um, that ashes to beauty or beauty from ashes yeah. um, sustained me. And it's true. It's very, very true. Well, it's a promise to cling to. It is a promise definitely to cling to. And so I held on to a lot of those promises, but some things that I learned through being in the refiner's fire, um, the first one that comes to my mind is just be patient with those who are suffering. Um, Grief is such a journey that everyone goes through at a different pace. And so One person's Mm -hmm. grief journey might be two years. One person's might be 10 years, maybe 20 years. I mean, we just have to be patient and love them for where they are and just accept them. And not judge their decision making because I think that's so key. We think people should do things like we would. And yet our call is to love them. Now, it's a fine line to not empower or enable bad decisions, but in the sense of just really loving people through their hard stuff, because sometimes we don't really learn unless we realize ourselves that it's not okay. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of my dear friends lost a little girl um, at the age of six to, to cancer. And she said to me once, you know, she said, I've had people tell me that I'll get over it soon. And I don't think I'll ever get over it. And I agree with her. I mean, there are just are some things we're not ever going to get over until yeah. we are back with Jesus. Right. And so I think when people are suffering, I mean, that if I could say anything, don't ever tell them that they're going to get over it soon because mm-hmm. they may not ever get over it. And then they start to think, well, is there something wrong with me? Right. We just have to be patient with those who are suffering. Yep. And that includes being patient and having grace with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we can have grace and patience with other people. But I, I talk to women a lot, myself included, at times where we can't even give grace to ourselves, though. And yeah. what makes us so different from anybody else? We're disabled by the flesh. We have all the same needs. We've got to be patient and have grace with us and grieve at our own pace, too. So key. We're, we're almost hardest on ourselves. Yeah. I think so. I really think so. We've got to cut ourselves some slack. We have to stop striving for perfection. That's why that I, I think sometimes God says even through his word or even to our spirits, like get over yourself. Like I've forgiven you. It's gone. Like move mm-hmm. on. Like mm-hmm. you're wasting my gift of grace by wallowing in your harshness right. towards your own heart. Yeah. And he really taught me that through the abortion thing, because, you know, I think I asked for yep. his forgiveness at least 3000 times. And, you know, one day it just was brought to my attention that if we keep asking forgiveness for the same thing over and over, you're exhibiting a lack of trust. You are showing that you do not trust that God is who he says he is. And a lack of gratitude for what he already did. Exactly. And so I loved that I was able to finally lay that down and know that I'm forgiven for that horrible sin. And not just that sin, every other sin in my life. So And every other sin that will be. Every sin that will be. Absolutely. And so... Um, probably another thing I've learned to just know that things aren't always what they appear to be on the outside. I think we've already talked about that a yeah. little bit. Um, you never but, know what somebody's going through. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, there's that quote, and I, I won't, I'll probably butcher it, but you know, be kind to everyone for you don't know the battle they're fighting. And that's so true. We don't true. know the story behind everybody. When we know their stories, it becomes, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, so well, and I, taking I, the time to listen to somebody's story is so key, like caring. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, and God met you in each one of those moments, too. Yes, yes. And that's another thing. God will and does always provide. Um, Yeah. 
He does. And our suffering, he will use as well. So we go through this stuff. We're going to walk through some hard stuff. I mean, I think they say that it's in, I think it's John 16, where he talks about in this world, you will have trouble. It doesn't say we might have trouble. We will have trouble. Uh, But take heart, I have overcome the world. And when we walk through that suffering and that pain, it has given me eyes to see those who are hurting and to be more compassionate to those who are grieving and suffering. Yeah. It does. It makes us more compassionate. Yes. And sometimes I think God in his wisdom, you know, the suffering that is in our lives, he uses it to help us be more compassionate because really there would have been no other way for us to arrive there. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm so thankful for you sharing with us your story, Natalie. I mean, just so many... So many ways God met you in your mud, so to speak. Are there any resources or any final advice you would want to offer? I think as far as advice goes, I would just say if you are in uh, the middle of a mud story yourself, just keep going because it is so true uh, that joy does come in the morning. And that doesn't mean that life is perfect, but it does mean that this is not a period. This is a comma. I think Mark Batterson said that in the Circle Makers, that this isn't the end of your life. This is just a comma. This is just a pause. So keep going because that joy will come in the morning. And as far as resources go, you know, um, I can't give you a better resource than the Bible. Be in the Word. Um, I know that I resisted that for a long time because I tried to say, I don't have time. I don't have time. But I'll tell you, when I do have time in the Word, I notice a difference with myself and those around me and just Mm -hmm. um, how much closer I'm able to be with God. And Um, you know, listening to worship music and anything that can foster your relationship with him in the end um, will benefit everybody around you greatly. Well, and our time with him doesn't have to be, you know, all planned out and organized, like long period. You know, we can just talk to God as we're driving to pick up kids or we can, you know, as we're, you know, doing laundry or whatever it is, commuting or whatever. And I think too, having a plan how to read God's word is so key. You know, even if it's just a couple verses a day or some kind of a devotional book that guides you to a scripture, you know, or a plan where you can like read a little, they have one year Bibles and stuff like that. Cause sometimes it's confusing. The Bible can be very overwhelming to open and go, where do I read? Like I want to read, but I don't understand where to start. And so getting one of those resources might be really great. Yeah. And, you know, speaking with um, resources, one that I've really enjoyed lately is it's called the Daily Bible. And it's a chronological Bible and it's already chunked into 365 daily readings. And I've really enjoyed reading that and seeing the scripture and um, how it all fits together in history. And it's really helped me to understand God's plan because, you know, life most certainly doesn't always go as planned, but it goes as it should when we allow God to lead and trust what he says to be true. And so the more I'm in the scripture, the more I can see that. And so this Bible has really uh, allowed me to see the scriptures in a new new light as well. So I think you're talking about the one year Bible. I think that's yes. my favorite one. You recommended it along with like five other people because I had put on Facebook, I was looking for a chronological Bible. And so, uh, yes, you were one that recommended it. And I cannot tell you how much I love Isn't it. Isn't it great? Yes. And about six of my friends have bought it since then because I just am really loving it. So it's a great resource. It's awesome. It's a great resource. I'll link to that in the show notes too. So wonderful. Time in God's word is so important if we're going to grow in our relationship with him and really get our mind wrapped around his perspective as we go through life and make decisions. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So fun. So fun to talk to you, Miss Natalie. Thank you. You're one of my my favorite people. And I just, I love your story. I love how God has met you in each of these moments. And um, tell us before you go where we can find you online and some things that might be coming ahead for you in your writing and in your online ventures. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, my website is www.nataliesnap.com. It's snap with two Ps. And so Jackie, I'm sure you'll have that written out too. And I have my first book being released this spring um, called Heart Sisters, Being the Friend You Want to Have. And hysterically enough, we didn't even touch on that story. I know. Uh, so this means you're going to have to come back for another episode. <laughs> well, I would love to. I would love to. In the Heart spring. Was, yep. Was Yeah. Heart, Heart Sisters was written out of... Um, my own pain through female friendships and some things that I went through. And so that will be released by Abingdon Press in April. And it will just be a book about um, how to walk through conflict with a female friend in a godly way, um, Mm -hmm. how to set boundaries in friendships, how to teach our daughters uh, to be good friends. Um, And so I'm I'm really excited about that. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friend, for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you. My delight. And I will link to all of your little social media dealies and uh, so people can track you down and find you and enjoy all of your wisdom and writing. That's wonderful. I love to talk to people. Okay. (laughs) All right, friend, have a great day. Thank you, Jackie. Well, that concludes our conversation with Natalie Snap. And as usual, you can find the show notes and all the links mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 17. I'm so honored and grateful that you took time out of your day to join me here. And if you have any suggestions for what topic you'd like to hear about on this show, or maybe a guest that you'd like to hear from, maybe it's someone you admire or respect, maybe it's someone you know in your real life who has an amazing mud story to share, feel free to share that with me. And you can do that by emailing me at Jackie at JackieWatkins.com. Or you can go to my website and leave a voicemail message or a comment on this post. I'd love to know what would encourage you right where you are. And if you've been encouraged at all by this podcast, I'd be so, so grateful if you would just tell one friend about it. Or if you're willing to go over and leave a rating or review on iTunes, it would help others find this podcast so they could be encouraged too. And you can do that by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. And so today I'm saying a little prayer for you and for me that no matter what we're facing, where we've been, or what lies ahead, may we all find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. A never-ending robber fails to press upon my mind I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. 
You are. 